Tis the season for car commercials, and uh, pretty soon we're going to probably start seeing them pop up. You know, uh, those commercials trying to convince you that it's realistic to buy your spouse a new car for Christmas. Now, a number of years ago, a luxury car company put out a commercial in which two dummies sat in the front seat of a car as it rocketed towards a brick wall. You could probably picture some of those car commercials. Now, the purpose was to illustrate how safe and sturdy a Lexus was, even in the event of a crash. Now, the two dummies looked rather well-dressed. They wore button-down shirts, ties, and suits. One wore a hat, and the other had on an expensive watch. They looked rather good, rather impressive for dummies heading toward a brick wall. Spiritually, that is what all humanity is in and of themselves. We are impressive-looking dummies, unliving, and heading toward a brick wall. The dummies in that car had no life, and they could not save themselves. And the same is true for us. You see, we are all born spiritually dead, as spiritually dead as a crash test dummy, and unable to save ourselves, unable to will ourselves into earning eternal life in God's kingdom. You could put on your best clothes like those crash test dummies. You could go to church. You could do all the good deeds that you could think of. But we are still spiritually dead dead, unable to experience the new life that we will one day have in the kingdom of God, that we would one day have in the kingdom of God. If we want to experience that life in God's kingdom, something has to change. Something has to change. We need new spiritual life given by the Spirit, and we need to believe in the Son of Man who died for us. So today we're going to look at John 3, 1 through 15, as we continue our series in John. And first we will see that we are unable to experience the kingdom without new life from the Spirit. That's number one. And secondly, we'll see that we must believe in Christ if we are to experience that new life in the kingdom. So let's turn to John 3, go ahead and turn there now, and we're going to see, we're going to look at how one man was challenged to recognize that he was unable on his own, unable to find new spiritual life, and that he needed to embrace grace. Now so far in the Gospel of John, Jesus has really been shaking things up. We've already seen his first sign miracle at the wedding in Cana. We've seen him clear the temple. We've seen him call disciples to follow him. Now, a lot of people were starting to take notice of what Jesus was doing, though they did not yet understand him fully. They had a superficial belief, and they did not understand him fully yet. There was something about this man. Now, as we come to chapter 3, we found out that Another man was impressed by Jesus. 
a man that has superficial belief himself, but doesn't embrace all that Jesus is, doesn't know him as Messiah and King. This man was Nicodemus. He was a respected spiritual man in Israel, we're told, a man well studied in Scripture. He was a Pharisee and a member of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. Now, one night, Nicodemus goes to Jesus under the cover of darkness to talk to him. Perhaps he was on unofficial business, or maybe his questions were personal. So Nicodemus says to Jesus when he arrives that night, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, rabbi, what he calls Jesus, rabbi, is a term of respect. Nicodemus is a spiritual leader in Israel, but he still recognizes that Jesus has some kind of special insight. So he calls him rabbi, teacher. But he doesn't call him Messiah or Lord. He wants to check out Jesus' resume to see if Jesus matches up to his standards, to his knowledge, and to his expectations. But Jesus recognized the lack of Nicodemus' belief and the reason that it was lacking. So he said to him, I tell you the solemn truth, unless a person is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a person is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the phrase, the kingdom of God, is something that pops up or or that is, is built on a lot of things in the Old Testament. We're told that God is king over all creation, and we also see that the Old Testament prophets foresaw a day when the earth would be filled with people that all worshiped God and submitted to God, who is also the son of David, following him as their king, submitting to him in everything. The prophets foresaw that day that would come. And all of scripture moves to this idea of the eternal kingdom where God rules on earth with his people. To a Jew like Nicodemus, he would have understood that the kingdom of God referred to this time when salvation would be played out in all of creation. Everything would be set right again with the Messiah ruling and his people rising to eternal life in the kingdom. Now, while the kingdom was not ready in its fullness, the king had arrived. The king had arrived. Jesus was there. And entering the resurrection life of the kingdom was something that a religious Jew like Nicodemus would have been longing for. This was something that he would have known the Old Testament talked about, and he would have had the expectation and hope of the kingdom. You see, salvation isn't just about our soul floating up to a spiritual place. Salvation is about God restoring all of creation setting up God's kingdom on a regenerated world. 
but for human beings to be part of that. Resurrection has to happen one day. Physical bodies have to get out of graves. Now, a number of years ago, I heard a professor of mine tell a story about some time he spent uh, at excavations in Egypt. He got to see, a, uh, I believe, a 4th century, so 300s. He got to see a 4th century Christian tomb opened up. They uh, knew it was a Christian tomb by some of the drawings and markings on the outside of the tomb. And uh, he and his archaeologist friend got to go in and see where this, this corpse had been laying for, what has it been now, nearly 1,600 years And uh, as they stood there, they noticed that this body in this tomb was laying rather oddly for an Egyptian grave. And as they sat there and they looked at it, both of them, without talking to each other, had a moment of realization of why the body was laying that way. And tears started to fall down both of their faces they realized that the body had been positioned in such a way that it was kneeling with its hands raised so that when the Lord returned, that man would be able to immediately, when he was raised from the dead, praise his Lord. Powerful to think that the family had that much hope, even when their loved one was in the grave, that there would be new resurrection life in the kingdom, that they went that far to prepare their loved one to be raised to worship. The full restoration of life, that is the big picture of salvation in Scripture. Now, entering the resurrection life of the kingdom was something that a religious Jew like Nicodemus had hoped for and had longed for. But Jesus, his response shows that Nicodemus doesn't truly know or understand him. He longs for the kingdom, but he doesn't understand the king. If he did, he would be asking him how he could have eternal life, how he could become part of Christ's kingdom. He's been impressed by this man. But this is far from having saving faith and understanding of who Jesus is. Nicodemus needs a change. He needs to be spiritually born again. And the Greek phrase here, if you look in your Bibles, you'll probably see either born again or something like that. But the word in the Greek is actually born from above. I think the Net Bible is the only one that actually translates that out. It's born from above. Spiritual life has to come from God. It has to come from God. But Jesus told Nicodemus, this, the kingdom, is out of reach for him. If it was out of reach for someone like Nicodemus, who could be included in the kingdom? In salvation. You see, we are unable to come to God on our own. In our spiritual relationship to God, we are dead because of sin. And dead people, as far as I know, don't get up on their own and walk. They are powerless. And so are we when it comes to the kingdom and to finding salvation. 
Now, entrance into the eternal kingdom on earth will require that physical resurrection that we've already talked about. New life from the grave. Nicodemus knew that much. He knew that much from all of his studies. But now Jesus has said, Nicodemus, you may be one of the most spiritual men in all of Israel, but you can't get into the kingdom. That had to come as a shock to him. You can't get into the kingdom. You can't experience the resurrection. Not without being born again from above. To experience the kingdom of this regenerated world, you individually have to be regenerated spiritually to find new life. So in other words, the expectation for for Nicodemus was that he was going to find this new life in the resurrection. But Jesus is saying, no, you have to be born now spiritually first to find new life here in this life now if you want to find that new physical life in the kingdom later. There's a first step that comes before what you're longing for, Nicodemus. We are powerless. We can't enter the kingdom on our own. Unless the Spirit of God gives us new life, making us spiritually born from above, having a new relationship with Christ. Now, to regenerate, if you're not familiar with that word, means to find new life where there is currently death. Now, starfish are creatures that are well known for being able to regenerate limbs within a few months. They could have an entire arm fall off, and within just a few months, an entire new one will grow back. And not only that, but there have even been cases where a starfish loses a limb, and the entire limb grows a completely new starfish. They're incredible creatures. That's regeneration. But as with starfish, that is life-regenerating life. The problem is, spiritually, we don't even have life within ourselves to regenerate ourselves spiritually. It's different with us. Spiritually, we are the walking dead. That's how we are born. Sure, we could talk about spiritual things, but actually having a relationship with God that is necessary to enter his kingdom, we are born dead. There is nothing there. There's no pulse. Spiritually, Nicodemus is dead. All of humanity is dead. All of us are born spiritually dead. And the only way to overcome that is for brand new life to come from somewhere completely else, to be born from the spiritual life provided by God. Regeneration of life has to come from above. But Nicodemus can't accept this truth. He's skeptical, so he sarcastically responds, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Jesus explains his point more. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water in the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, water is frequently used figuratively to symbolize renewal and cleansing. You even have this imagery throughout the Old Testament of the Spirit being poured out like water. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27 prophesies of the day that God would give to humanity new hearts that were no longer spiritually dead, but spiritually living. Ezekiel 36 says, I will sprinkle you with pure water, and you will be clean from all of your impurities. I will purify you from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your body and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and I will take the initiative and you will obey my statutes and carefully observe my commandments. (coughs) Here we have this connection between water and the spirit. God purifying our hearts and giving us that new spiritual life that we're talking about today here in John 3. Giving us the Spirit and making us able to keep His commandments. The Old Testament revealed time and time again that no matter how hard people tried, they could not consistently keep God's commandments because they were spiritually dead. It was impossible. They were unable to do so. So God promised to make a way to renew us, to give us new spiritual life. Nicodemus shouldn't have been surprised that new spiritual life was needed because he knew from his studies of the Old Testament how corrupt we are, how far from God we are. It's, uh, it's said that uh, there was so much sacrifice that was required at the temple that you could walk by it every day in Israel and see blood just constantly flowing out through the ditches. He would have known just how desperately separated we are from God in and of ourselves. But Nicodemus probably assumed, like most of the other religious leaders, that his good deeds and being part of Israel were enough to get him into the kingdom. But it doesn't matter what he did, what his good deeds were, or who his people were. To enter the kingdom, Jesus is saying, an individual's heart must be made new. Must experience such a radical change that is like they are being born where once there was no life. Now Jesus clarifies here that flesh gives birth to flesh, and the spirit gives birth to spirit. Now, the Gospel of John um, doesn't use the word flesh to refer to our sin nature. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not referring to our human corruption or sin nature. That's how Paul tends to use that phrase. Here, it simply means humanity, human nature. In other words, Jesus is saying humans give birth to humans, right? 
cows give birth to cows. You don't have a cow giving birth to a sheep. Humans give birth to humans. And in order for there to be new spiritual life, it has to come from the spirit. Like gives way to like. In order for there to be new spiritual life, it has to come from the spirit. This is not a change that originates within us, but birth from above, like we've said, from the cleansing and life-giving of the Spirit. This is more than turning over a new leaf. This is more than just making a New Year's resolution and changing. When we are born again, we've been completely devoid of spiritual life from birth. And then the Spirit gives us new life where there was once death. And just as the wind can't be controlled by human beings, Jesus is saying, so we cannot understand or control the work of the Holy Spirit. They are not up to us. If we were able to control the wind, I know there's a lot of us who would have had the snow blow away from our driveways this week. But we can't do that. It's not up to us. In the same way, we can't control what the Spirit does and whose lives He changes. And in the same way, anyone who has been spiritually born again, all of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our salvation is no longer controlled by men. Human decision cannot take away our salvation, is what Jesus is saying. New spiritual life that allows us to enter into the kingdom of God completely and only comes from above, only originates with God. Without the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, we are unable to enter the kingdom. Without the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, we are unable to enter into the kingdom. Now this brings us to the other half of what we need in order to enter God's eternal kingdom. And that is belief in the Son. Belief in the Son. Now Nicodemus spent so much time teaching people in Israel that happy obedience, doing the right things, is the way to get into God's kingdom. But now Jesus is telling him that even doing that, he's unable to enter that he needs to be born from above. So Nicodemus skeptically responds once again, how can these things be? In other words, how can someone be born again from above? How is that possible? To which Jesus answered, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen but you do not receive our testimony. If, you, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Jesus is sharp and to the point. Nicodemus, as Israel's teacher, should know better. He was an established religious authority. He was so studied in the Old Testament And if anyone should have grasped this requirement for entering the kingdom, it should have been him. At the beginning of this conversation, you'll notice that Nicodemus was hiding behind his counsel in the way he talked. He always said we instead of I. He said, 
we know that you are a great teacher when he first approached Jesus. Now Jesus starts mimicking him. We speak what we know, and we testify of what we've seen. In other words, Jesus is saying, we know one or two things, really we do. Jesus is giving him a little bit of witty criticism here. Nicodemus and the council know a lot. But there is only so much that they really understand. They don't accept Jesus' testimony about himself. They have a lot of intellect, a lot of knowledge, but no belief. Jesus has explained earthly things. He's told them how you could have spiritual life now here on earth. How you could be born again from above. But if they couldn't accept that and believe in the king, how could they possibly accept anything about the kingdom? How can they be part of it without accepting Jesus? If you want to take part in the kingdom, you have to believe in its king. If you want to take part in the kingdom, you have to believe in its king. Now, Jesus goes on to explain why he alone is the only person who is uniquely qualified to talk about the kingdom. He says in verse 13, No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Jesus, and, and sorry, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now Jesus is saying that he is the only one who has authority to speak about heaven and about the eternal kingdom. Because no one else has gone there and come down. He's the only one who can reveal the kingdom. And he has come to reveal it and give life. He refers here to the story in uh, in Exodus about Moses. In Exodus, uh, the people of Israel were wandering in the desert, and some of them began to complain against God and Moses. So, uh, as a consequence, the Lord sent out fiery serpents amongst them to bite them, and many of them died as a consequence. The people then admitted their sin and asked Moses to intercede for to God on their behalf in order to save them. After he prayed for them, the Lord instructed Moses with a way to deliver the people from death. He told Moses to craft this bronze serpent and to put it up on a pole. And anyone in Israel that was bitten by one of these snakes as a punishment for their sin could then look up at this bronze serpent on the pole and live. God provided a way to find life when sin had caused death. Now, as we've seen, the kingdom will be about resurrected life. And new spiritual life has to come first before that. So Jesus, the Son of Man, the promised Messiah, came to be lifted up on the cross so that all who would believe in him might find that new spiritual life and one day experience the life of the kingdom. Just as that bronze serpent was lifted up on the pole and gave new life to anyone who looked that way to find release from death because of their sin, 
A way had to be made for them to find deliverance from death. Jesus is saying that in the same way, he, the Son of Man, had to be lifted up on that cross to provide deliverance from death, to experience new spiritual life necessary to enter the kingdom. We have to look to him. Just like Israel had to look to that snake, we have to look to him, the one who is lifted up on the cross for our salvation. Without belief in the Son of Man, we cannot enter the kingdom. Without belief in the Son of Man, we cannot enter into the kingdom. Now today, we've seen that we are unable to experience the kingdom without the new life provided by the Spirit, and that we must believe in the Son of Man, the one who was raised up to give us that new life. Without this, you can't enter the kingdom. It's impossible. So what is there to do? If we are born spiritually dead, first we need to recognize that we're unable, that we can't get in on our own. Recognize you are unable and embrace grace. Recognize that you are unable and embrace grace. Now, without him, you are completely lost. And without the life-giving work of the Spirit, without believing in the life-giving Son who was raised up on the cross for you, you don't stand a chance of spending eternity with God. You are dead in your sin, and you cannot enter the kingdom. There is nothing you could do to change that. Now this morning we sang, In Christ alone my hope is found. If you want to experience the kingdom, don't rely on yourself. You have nothing to offer. There's nothing you could bring. There is no way to find new spiritual life within yourself. Hope is only found in Christ. No matter how good you are, you can't make yourself alive again. You're a dead crash test dummy. You can't turn the wheel. You're going to hit the wall. Today, if you're recognizing for the first time that you're unable to find new spiritual life and salvation on your own, turn to Christ. Accept what he did lifted up on that cross for you. And it doesn't matter how good you are, apart from new life given by God from above, when we believe there's no hope of spending eternity in the kingdom. No hope. We are as capable of saving ourselves as those two crash test dummies. If you need to take that step to find new life today, if you've been putting that off, don't be afraid to find someone after church. Find me, find someone else, and talk to us about how you can do that. Now, when we go outside these church doors, we have to remember that it is the gospel message and the spirit that brings new life, not us. It's the gospel message and the spirit that brings new life to people, not us. We can't control his work, but we are called to be his tools, right? When we are sharing our faith, we cannot force new spiritual life on people through gimmicks, through trying to strong arm people into accepting the gospel, through emotional manipulation, through intellectual arguments, Those things do not make someone spiritually alive again. 
That is only the work of the Spirit. So how do we approach unbelievers if we can't bring new spiritual life to them, if only the Spirit could do it? Simply share the gospel. Simply share the gospel. It entrusts the Spirit to do His work. Tell them about the one who was raised up on the cross, just like that snake was raised up on the pole to save Israel. The rest will be up to the Spirit. We can't force change. New life only comes from above. Now, whether this is new to you, or if you've been a believer in the Son for a long time, this is cause to worship God. This is wonderful news that there is a way to find new life and experience the kingdom. This is a particularly good season in which to reflect on this and to worship God. We often refer to the season that leads up to Christmas as Advent. Now, during the Advent time, we sing a lot of classic hymns and Christmas songs, a lot of good choruses. And if you really stop and think about the lyrics that you're singing, you'll notice something. They are often not just about the hope of Christ's first coming, but about the anticipation of his second coming, when he will set up his eternal kingdom and restore the entire world to regenerated life. Now, historically, Advent has always been not only about remembering and reflecting on his first coming, but anticipating and hoping for his second coming. You remember his first when he brought us that new spiritual life and you hope for the second coming where he will bring new life to everything. Waiting for him to complete what he started. Waiting for him to bring us full resurrection life in the kingdom as we also remember his coming to give us new spiritual life the first time. So just think about these words for a moment. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. That hasn't happened fully yet. Let heaven and nature sing. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glory of his righteousness and wonders of his love. If we've believed in him, if we've found that new spiritual life now, we've had a foretaste of the future when he will set up that kingdom and bring new life eternally. By believing in him, we receive new spiritual life now and we'll one day get to experience all the fullness of the life that he'll bring later. Ponder that this Advent and Christmas season. The baby in the manger came to bring you life. Spiritual life now because he was raised up on that cross. And resurrection life in the kingdom when he returns. But without believing in him now, we cannot experience the kingdom that those songs speak about. That's impossible. So when you hear those songs about the king this Christmas, remember that what we've seen in John 3 today in the story of Nicodemus We are unable to enter into that kingdom that we sing about on our own. 
We can't do it unless we find new spiritual life. Unless we experience the new spiritual life from the Spirit and we believe in the Son who is raised up for us. Jesus, recognize that you are unable on your own and embrace grace. Let's pray.